1: Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Earn, final episode, wrap-up episode of Two Guys, One Earn, a uh, Cricket Ashes World Test Championship adjacent podcast. It's got a nice catchy title, that's the good news about this podcast. Um, we are here after the fifth Ashes Test, which I believe, i, I got to be honest with you, in the way that this uh, series has mm. been uh, rated I'm going mm. to claim a moral victory. I reckon yep. we won with this one. I'm going to take the lead of Stuart Broad and just yep. say that we won this one. Uh, joining me uh, for this final episode, Adam Spencer. How are you this morning, Adam? I
0: can't. I can't imagine that the Poms. If would they be happy to win that way? I mean, seriously, <laughs> that's the question everyone's asked every time they've lost in this series. Can you really live with yourselves dismissing us twice in total for less than what you score? I mean, really. Really? Can I just from the outset, Will, before we dive deep into the cricket, because I'm sure there will be over the next hour or so claims of what's fair and what's not and justice and things like that. They've dogged the entire series. So to set our sort of moral compass, can I start by saying whatever we say about the fifth test in the ashes, any claims of fairness or injustice there, pale in comparison. And I'm saying this on behalf of you. You'll be too modest to say it yourself, and I'm saying it on behalf of everyone listening to the judges in the category of Most Outstanding Entertainment Program in the mm-hmm. 2023 Logies yeah, to salute the Cheap Seats Network yeah. 10 yeah. over, mm-hmm. over RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under Season mm-hmm. 2 on Stan. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's going on there?
1: I mean, what is going on there? And as, like, obviously Gruen uh, Nation was nominated in that exact same category. Were you? Uh I'm so sorry. We've claimed moral victory. Oh, good. We believe we've actually won that one. Oh, great. I'm sorry. I just we've saw RuPaul. Back back. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. No, Ru- RuPaul's, it turns out, not in the spirit of Australian television. Oh, it's really? an international format.
0: Oh. So. <laughs> I just saw that and voted. I didn't even look down far enough down the list to no, see no, you. No, no,
1: Nation. Yeah, oh. yeah. A very, very plucky second. Oh, plucky. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't. They don't release the rankings of the no. rest of the order, but I choose to believe a very plucky that?
0: Absolutely, as you would have been in most popular entertainment program behind Gogglebox.
1: Oh no, no, no! I, that one. Read out the rest of the names if you've got them no. there, because it's like Lego Masters, The yep. Mask Singer,
0: Lego Masters, The Voice, Yep. and Australia's <laughs> Got Talent. They probably filled out the podium. With you and – you know that thing in the Olympics where you see some Aussie in the 1500 and they're just trying to beat the woman from Belarus in the last – yeah, that's you and hard quiz coming down the –
1: no, nah, mate. Hard quiz is a phenomena as well. Gruen, this, like we are – you know what? We're the equivalent of the Olympics. We're that novelty story about the guy who's qualified for the Olympics but never swum in a 50-metre pool. Yep, yep. You know, <laughs> like, you're, you know, he's doing great for a guy who's never never swum in a 50-metre.
0: Y- y- you're, you're the guy who's about to get lapped in the 5,000, yeah. is just yeah. trying to hold on so that you get the bell before that other person, the second last person in the race finishes.
1: Yeah, you're in that photo they tend to run which is proof Katie Ledecky is the greatest swimmer of all time yeah. and it's just her finishing a race and then the rest of the frame is empty but yeah. in our version it's just me still swimming in the opposite direction. Yeah,
0: turning, tumble turning yeah. and going back.
1: Was it did you was it did do I
0: remember the name from a long long time ago mm. at your school athletics carnival was it Harry Ramachandran? Ramesh Harry Chandran. Ramesh so, Harry Chand, yeah. Harry Good Chandran, not Harry Ramesh. Ramesh Harry Chandran, it's so who close. Went out like at, who at the two hundred meter mark of mm-hmm. your eight hundred meters in high school running event? Just when oh, no, started.
1: I'm I'm going to go even further than this. Yeah. this. So it was it was he would it was the eight hundred, yep, and he would run the four hundred in world record time. And you think like, wow. this kid, you would be wow. like, okay, next wow. step. Here the we Olympics. Go. Here and it we turns go. out that the next step was actually into the back of an ambulance and then off to the emergency ward at the local hospital two years in a row. That's the thing <laughs> that is the great thing about the story. If it happened once, you'd look back on it and you'd say, you know what, Ramesh, I feel bad for you. You didn't yeah. know. You're a kid. Yeah. You got out there. You did what you thought you were going to do. You didn't yeah. know you had asthma. Yeah. But the second year in a row, it happened. That's on Ramesh. Yeah.
0: But he'd come in that second year mm. with a big, He'd had a few Ks in the legs. He'd had a big pre-season training load and yeah. he thought he had it.
1: One of the all-time great kids, by the way, Ramesh Harajan, yeah. one of like the, the guys I loved, one of the first people from a different culture that I'd really ever met growing up in regional Victoria. And I loved Ramesh, but he was so funny. But my the other, other favourite story about Ramesh was that – so it, Mr. Payne, who was our PE teacher. Oh, p- Perfect. He used to get us in the uh, gym. He was he was a tough man too. Had yep. a lot of like navy tattoos. Yeah, great. Um, he'd been in a prisoner of war camp where they oh. cut they cut his Achilles Achilles tendons. So yeah, yeah. Larry Payne. He was one of the all time great men. Oh. P A Y N E. But oh, yeah. like pain by name, pain by nature, so couldn't run anymore because that's why they would slash your Achilles so that you wouldn't run away in the prisoner of war camps. But he was this, like, hard little nugget of a man, like, with these, like, Navy tattoos and they couldn't run because of his Achilles. But he would get us in the gym and we'd all do weights, you know, like you'd have to do that sort of Of compulsory exercise program for PE. And so this would be – I can still say this, like, 30 years later – if I went up to anyone I went to school with that I haven't spoken to them in 30 years and I said this one expression, they would all immediately know what it means because every time we would have to do like, we'd do like 10 reps, right hand, 10 reps, left hand. So Laurie would be up the front. He'd be telling us, you know, what hand it was. And then just in the midst of all this like teenage grunting, you would just hear Laurie say time and time again, "Your other left hand, Ramesh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and to this day, your other left-hand Romesh uh, is, like, still part of my vernacular because, like, uh, it just happens so often. Uh, and it just the tone of voice that, like, when Laurie had to say it, but, like, was saying it – he was a hard man, but he was saying yep. it with kindness, you know, yep. but – your other, your other left hander. Oh, Romesh.
0: Oh, just quickly, before we dive into the cricket, my favourite recent I'm in no
1: rush. I'm <laughs> fine. We can talk about whatever we want for a while.
0: Recently acquired school sports mm-hmm. story. Uh, so I've um, uh, I've met Leah, uh, spoke about when I went on philosophy uh, episode mm-hmm. two ever. Yep. I mentioned at the end of it I was starting to do a bit of online dating and the person I'd met there, Leah and I, um, now married, And we went uh, for a bit of a drive up to where she grew up and we were checking out her neck of the woods. And it wasn't the uh, ritziest, wealthiest suburb on the central coast of New South Wales. And you know how people often will, you can get into a bit of a, oh yeah, you think it was when you grew up. Yeah, well, when I grew up, you know, sort of comparisons. And we were driving, we were going to go and check out the school that she used to go to, a primary school, and then find her old house. and. See what was going on, and we were, and she's we're driving down the main street and sort of memory lane experience for her. She looks over, she goes, "Oh, that's um, that's Sarah's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had our. Uh, it was a very small school that she, Leah used to go to. We had our um school swimming carnival in their backyard pool one year. And I'm thinking, gee, like Sarah and her family are doing all right if yeah. If you, if you're hosting the school swimming carnival, in like it must be at least twenty five meters and like six or
1: eight lanes. That's I mean, you'd imagine. Wow, it's the amount of lanes, even yeah. rather than the length. Yeah, that I'm like because the yeah. idea that you need to have a carnival. Yeah, like I've seen long pools in people's yeah. backyards. Maybe yeah. like a twenty meter pool that you could do like single you know. lane tumble right. turn, but yeah, yeah. but but a couple for, of lanes maximum enough for your four
0: <laughs> schoolhouses at least, and then and and Leah said to me. No, no, it was just an in ground pool. It was the only pool we had. So it was just like a standard backyard pool that was like, what, six or eight meters long and a little bit wide. And it was just sort of, okay, under sevens, five laps, in you go.
1: (laughs) So how many many at a time? Like, how wide is this thing? It was just a standard, reasonably large backyard pool. And they're just putting eight (laughs) kids in and just going, there There you go. go. Good luck. You know what? It's only eight meters long. But the fact that there are ten of you in here at the same yeah. time will make it more difficult to get to the end regardless.
0: Exactly. So they used to have the, the the very first swimming gold medal Australia ever won, and we have such a proud tradition of Olympic swimming, was by a guy called Freddie Lane. Mm. And at the Olympics in ooh, I'm guessing nineteen oh eight or 12, he won the two hundred meter obstacle swim. Oh, it's in. It was in. It was in Paris. So it was in the yeah. river, the Seine, and it's just sort of, oh, two hundred yard, the equivalent of fifty yards. You'd swim and across the the width of the pool or the, the lake, there was a chain every fifteen yards. So there were three chains hmm. across, like hurdles, like hurdles yeah, for swimmers. You'd swim to the first one, and on on, on each chain in front of <laughs> where the person was swimming was like a small sort of yeah. rowboat. So you'd swim the first bit, climb over the rowboat, keep going, swim to the second one, under third one, over, tap, go back. That's your two hundred meters, two hundred yards. What? How on earth did that get scrapped from the Olympic program?
1: I mean, bring it back the you want to get people. Swim. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like how every good? city that hosts the Olympic, like Brisbane has a great river going through the middle of yeah. that city. Yeah. Come on, Brisbane Olympics, you always get to choose a couple for your home games, don't you? You yep, have demonstration sports, exactly. And Australians, what are we good at at the Olympics? What is it that we're already pre-existingly good at? Swimming. Yeah. Dominate the swimming. Yeah. So this is just an extra event that most likely, yeah, and we- you know what, give it an Australian flavour, chuck in a couple of stingrays and sharks, to yeah. see what happens.
0: Every every Olympics, we must have a lot of really good swimmers who just aren't mm. quite good enough, yeah. they can't quite go. Well, the, we know have, that,
1: right? Yeah. But if you see Cody Simpson in yeah. the obstacle swimming. Mate. you know, Tell me that's not bringing people from all over Bang. the world. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, ideas around sporting events yes. that might make them more interesting, I was talking to uh, Mike, who is the producer of this podcast, mm-hmm. and a big thank you to Mike for not only getting these episodes uh, recorded and coordinated, but also he he gets them up straight away so that they're as relevant as they can be to the test matches. So it's Mm -hmm. been a big thing, extra workload. But he's also a cricket fan, and so we have these little chats about cricket off air before we do the podcast as well. And he floated an idea to me that I like, Mm. which is five-day tests are too short is the answer. Like a lot of people are saying they're too long, right? A lot of people are saying they should be four day tests, but I would argue it's been so enjoyable to have the cricket on it all the time that they are too short is actually the problem. It wasn't the days we were playing cricket that were the problem during the last couple of months. It was the days we were not playing cricket.
0: Okay.
1: Second problem. Right. So you've got to agree to the terms of the problems before we can address the problems.
0: I'll, I'll just as a quick sidebar, I'll note <laughs> yeah. your reflection that it was that the problem was the days we weren't playing cricket is probably an opinion held more closely by the fans and spectators than by the fast bowlers from the two
1: teams. No. So, but, okay. Well, this is where it gets interesting. Oh, okay. Because my major disappointment from this series, other than the eventual result, was the fact that. I don't think that the Australians use their bowlers properly. Like mm-hmm. I know Lyon being out through yep. you know spanner in the works, and but I, I'm sad that they did not give Nessa a test. I just Absolutely. couldn't. I just could not believe that yep. either in the fourth or fifth test that Nessa didn't play. And I think that this idea of squad depth and being able to experiment with you saw it with England and them changing their squad. How about it's a continuous test? So we take the pre-existing. 25 days of the test, and we play one large twenty five day long super test where you pick squads. Mm-hmm. So day to day, there are different like you know, you're using different members of your squad, like people mm-hmm. are subbing in and out, like so they'd be forced, their hand would be forced mm-hmm. to on say day three, go, all right, well, we've got to play Nisa. Mm -hmm. like we don't have the luxury of a few days off we've got to create a few days off by using this bowler in this circumstance or we've got to play Boland, or we're going to have to sub in this different batsman because so you just play the test so instead of it being like a five you know because the series we retain the urn and then Mm -hmm. people get mixed feelings about whether the series is still alive if it's just a 25 day test in a row you just constantly like how are we doing at the moment? Look, we're eight hundred behind. Okay, but we've still got three innings left. So. so,
0: yeah. So my two. So my okay. So is it? Yeah. Is it five tests back to back across twenty five days, or is it just one massive test? And it might go seven innings each, or eight innings each. It just depends how long.
1: Um, that's a good question. I think I guess what I'm trying to get at is you know the English. That you get all your scores and wickets, right? So that that's a rolling. We need some mechanism. Whereas if you win the like first test by three wickets, going into the mm-hmm. second part of it, you still get to have those three batsmen bat. Like oh, you know, just,
0: just, just say you win the first yep. test. Yeah. As Pat Cummins bowls, mm. Jimmy Anderson mm. stump goes rolling back, and Australia have won that first test by fifty runs. Yeah. Did David Warner and Usman Kawasha just race off the pitch anyway and put the pads back on because 10 minutes from now, the next innings is starting?
1: Um, Does it just keep rolling and rolling and rolling or? yeah? Yeah. Okay. So you, there's one toss. The toss is at the start of the series. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It does take pitch doctoring
0: out of the equation to some extent, right. doesn't it? To every extent. Oh, though, thought. I, I, how's I, I, it going
1: to hold up on day 25?
0: I'd love or, to see in, in India. I'd love, given that they start with a day okay. nine yeah. test wicket. Yeah, all right. Imagine the condition that Hyderabad would <laughs> be in.
1: We think on day 25 it's going to take some spin. Yeah. <laughs> Mitchell okay.
0: Stark is disappearing into his own footprints down to his knee. All
1: right. I understand that that that's a slight logistical flaw. It's a new idea, so there's okay. going to be some kids. Yes, yeah, that's all right. How about this? Like one of the other flaws that people could perhaps suggest in this. Because what I like the idea is that okay, maybe the idea that there is both individual tests but an an overall test happening at the same time. Like mm-hmm. not a series. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, say for example. I, okay, so the best example is, I think, you know, Australia win the first test by like two, what two wickets, right? Mm-hmm. So then going into the next day, which starts the next day, those two wickets still get to bat, but it is technically the start of the second test. You get the value that you accrued in the previous test mm-hmm. taken immediately into the next test, right? And if
0: you win by seventy-eight runs, the other team yeah. has to score seven. They start effectively yeah, before at minus at seventy-eight. Par.
1: For that particular test, so you could divide it wow. into individual tests, but it's got a rolling, wow. cumulative test score. So now,
0: so if some, you win the first test by an innings and two hundred yeah, runs, yeah, it's a long way back for the other
1: team. Yeah, but up, on the other hand, you got twenty four days to make up that difference. <laughs> so, <laughs> you <know> that? <laughs> so you know, it depends how you look at it. And,
0: now, and, and do you, do you start with what have you got? 30 reviews and you can you just got to be careful not to burn all 30 of them in the first couple you of can, days.
1: No, here's what you can do though, cuz I remember when we worked together at Triple J. Yeah. Quite famously in the last year of us being on air because you'd worked at the ABC for long enough and you didn't take days off. Yes. There was a, a particular day during the year hmm. where you said I could literally Take like sick days and days I owed. Yep. I could retire today. Like, I had 100. And,
0: I had. I yeah. had. It was three weeks. 15 sick days a year, fully paid. Mm. I'd had seven years of a frontline shift and not taken a sick day. I had 105 sick days. So there was a point in around June where I could have said, "I'm. I'll see you for the final show."
1: Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say. Okay. If you don't use a review, if you get to the end of your second innings and Mm -hmm. you've got like, you haven't used two reviews,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: those reviews roll on. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. up your sleeve now. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to introduce an even more exciting element because this is when it gets really exciting, right? Because when you're playing a game over 25 days, there's a lot more intrigue and ways to. So you can also borrow from your future self. Wow. So this is where it gets dangerous, like, so, like
0: like trading away next year's draft pick to try and secure a yeah. top five pick uh-huh. this year.
1: Yeah. So if you are in the second test and you have burnt three area reviews, but you are sure this one is absolutely <laughs> worth a <the> review, <laughs> you can loan. You go. You know what? We'll go into the third test with two. That's it. We're, can we're, I
0: suggest? Can I suggest yeah. what you can do? Also, you've got your standard review, but if you really if you really need the wicket, yeah. You can grab an extra one from before and you can super review it. Mm -hmm. And for the in the case of the super review, that's when we bring the umpire from this series, Joel Wilson, Mm. who's clearly legally blind (laughs) and doesn't understand the rules of the game, and he just comes out and goes, Yeah, what the hell? You can you get one Joel Wilson decision per Mm. series.
1: I'm going to suggest over 25 days, maybe we just go back to like country cricket style, someone from the team who's not currently involved in the action has to at least do umpire at square leg. We have Mm -hmm. one main umpire and one from the list that isn't currently playing umpire at square
0: leg. When I was in, it's either fifth grade or sixth grade because I went to a new school in fifth grade and sixth grade and I was might have been fifth grade because they had an established school cricket team and I sort of made it didn't quite so I'd play a game or not play a game but I'd go away every Friday with the school team to play. And we used to, one of the kids, a teacher, we couldn't, we couldn't send a teacher one week so their teacher was umpiring and I was umpiring at square leg mm-hmm. and one of their bowlers was continually overstepping like by a step or two when he bowled it. And I sort of mentioned something to their umpire. uh, Look, I think this guy's walking a bit, running a bit further than he could. And he did it again and bowled one of our guys. And as a 10-year-old, I called a no ball from square leg,
1: (laughs) overriding
0: the authority of a 35-year-old teacher who was from the guy's school. And he's just staring at me. And I don't even know if you're allowed to call a no ball from square leg as oh, the square – But seems, just,
1: like, seems like the weirdest place to do it from, I would have thought. I, but. I,
0: I can clearly see. He was stepping over, but he was yeah. planning his front. If
1: it, look, if it's enough that you can see it from square
0: leg, it probably is a no ball. And I can just remember standing there with my arm out and feeling so good about mm. myself as I did it until the moment that that guy then looked at me and I just hadn't thought it through and gone, you are going to be held accountable for this, and there was just this awkward silence that felt like hours. It was probably only a few seconds before this guy finally choked back his rage and said to his guy, Okay, yeah, okay, it's not out, mate. Don't don't step over. So I felt I'd stood up for the forces of right.
1: So when my dad was playing cricket when I was young and I was like hopeless at junior cricket, but sometimes would like I wasn't hopeless. I was a real in between, never like not bad enough to give it up. Yep, not good enough to be good at it. Like yep. that was very much my capacity when you You
0: rarely single handedly Ben Stokes style swung the game.
1: I don't think ever.
0: But you, played I can't on, actually you played remember
1: a, ever single handedly swinging a game. But
0: you played on a few teams that won a bit.
1: Yeah, okay. like that was honestly like yep. I was never one of those people who didn't get picked. But I, was, I can't ever remember winning a game with bat or ball by mm-hmm. myself ever mm-hmm. in the history of me doing any of those things.
0: So on the Australian team at the moment, you'd be Cameron
1: Green. Yeah, unfortunately, but yep. I wasn't as good a fielder. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, I, I um, used to umpire a bit and it never occurred to me that people would cheat. Like, Mm -hmm. my dad is such an honest person and, like, was particularly when it came to cricket and the idea of it. It just never occurred to me that – and I always remember being a kid, like, you know, maybe 13 or 14, like, really genuinely a kid, like, ended up umpiring these, you know, country games. And I took it very seriously, you know. I tried to do it all really well and I think I probably did an okay job. But I remember one day, like, this – Now, like, in retrospect, like, this adult, like, this adult man, like, accusing me of cheating some decision and, like, yelling, like, I mean, like, literally, like, you know, we'd get you banned from the game today if you yelled at an umpire in this way. But the thing that I remember is, like, I was a child yeah, and, like, not a child who was cheating no. a child who I may have made a mistake I was a child yeah, ch- children do cricket, sometimes yeah. something that it turns out professional adults find difficult to do so
0: <laughs> I got one final one before we maybe move on to the, oh, the matter at hand No need to on on <laughs> on the topic of dads who really played by the rules so my dad created a local cricket team for my brother and I and our mates to play and we turned out reasonably handy. Had a couple of mates who could really play. So won more games than we lost and had a pretty good time. But we were playing back in the day on the big ovals where you'd go and you'd just put out that each, each team's kit bag had a series of little flags and you'd run around and hammer in the flags and that was your boundary. But under the official rules of the comp, and because that was a little bit arbitrary, under the rules of the comps that we played in, you could only score a four on a ground that was flagged, you could not be given a six. The ball had to clear a fixed fence oh, for it to be called okay, sure. as a six. It was just a, it was, a, it was some rule that probably applied at a lot higher levels that they were just putting in for us. And so there were only a couple of grounds each season, or a couple of matches, where you were a chance to hit a six because you needed to be playing against a team who was bowling some long hops on a ground with a fixed fence, and that was normally. If you were playing on that, by definition, probably a ground, we were under 12s, probably a ground where a lot of older people played as well. So the fence was a long mm, way back. Yep. But whenever there was a fence, you wouldn't put the flags and you'd, you'd play with the fence and there'd just be a lot less fours hit often. But we were playing at Northright Oval against Northright RSL once and I was batting and going all right and this guy came on to bowl who they was the definition of a part-time bowler they were just giving a chance to when he's bowling spin and just tossing them up. And I hit a couple back and that they're clearly not even looking like they're moving or anything. And we're playing at Northright RSL's Oval and it's got a fence. And I'm thinking, you don't get many chances. Mm -hmm. Let's have a crack here. Go for glory. He lobs the next one up and I take two steps down the wicket. And anyone who's played cricket will know that when you've decided in advance I'm going to charge here. And as the ball comes out of the hand and you're moving forward, but you pretty quickly get a feeling for, I think this is going to land. Yeah, okay, I think I'm going to be in exactly the right spot to pick this up on the half volley. And I hit it and just swung as hard as I could. And that beautiful moment in cricket where if you truly hit the ball, you almost don't feel it leave the bat because you just hit it so mm-hmm. sweetly on it, and it just goes and goes and goes. And I'm feeling so good about myself. Northright RSL... Also, used to play baseball. So, around this ground, there's a fence that's about a metre, a metre 20 high, all the way around the ground. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Until you get to the batting cage of mm-hmm. the baseball, where yep. because someone can flick it off the top <laughs> yep. of the bat and it flies up, yeah. the fence suddenly rises to probably mm. 10 metres high. Yeah. Drops down, keeps going. The ball I hit hit the top of the 10-metre fence for the baseball area and then continued over the fence. And I was standing there feeling pretty good about myself as Larry Spencer put out his arm and signaled four. Oh, what? Because the ball hit the fence. Oh, I mean, and I was just looking at my dad going, Come on, Larry. Dah. What are you doing? <laughs> and he's going, it's four. Ball hit the fence, son. Just- Back you go. Next ball. I got stumped by about eleven meters because I just sprinted out to try yeah, and repeat. Try the to task. do it again, of just course. Just so misty, red-eyed in anger that I was going to show my dad I missed it by a mm. meter. That <laughs> I.
1: Uh, (laughs) And instead, your dad taught you a valuable lesson about hubris (laughs) flying too close to the sun. Exactly. Lesson learned, son, he said. He put his hand on your shoulder and just said, remember this.
0: Yes, a lesson (laughs) that perhaps if a couple of guys in the current Australian team had learnt at my age, things would have gone slightly different.
1: Okay, so the final test. Here's Okay, here's what annoyed me about Australia losing this final test. Not that we lost because I honestly think if you look back at this series, a more realistic result for the balance of play across the entire series is probably 2 or right?
0: Completely fair.
1: Yeah, and you've got to say hats off to the – like they made it – the fact that there were so many results was all because of them. Like, you know, they were the ones who made the running, like, one way or the other. When they lost or when they won, it was kind of because of the – a lot of the time because of the risks that they'd taken or the pace with which they played. And I think that's great for English cricket. It's probably great for cricket in general to have, like, a more attacking style. I think Australia need to remember how we can have a more attacking style because – we almost, I think, decided we were going to beat them by being the complete opposite of them when when, when some of our actual core values aren't aren't being like that. But um, the thing that annoyed me about us losing this fifth test was that we should have won it. That's the thing that annoys me. The, like on the first day, if we'd taken any of those five catches, I mean, that 80 runs we let, that Kerry let, you know, Harry Brook Brooke out. make. Yeah. The, like, I mean, that was the difference games in the over. end. I know you can play that, like, all, mm. all the time. But, no, but
0: if we roll them for 150, right, 160, It's a completely different game. Over. Yep.
1: And then the other one is coming into the fifth day. I know when you look at that final target and even what we got was a huge score for a fourth innings. But it wasn't an ordinary fourth innings. That pitch wasn't an ordinary fifth-day pitch. And us going in with 250 to get zero wickets down, like, we should have got that. Like, oh. I know it's tough. But, like, we got ourselves in a position to win and then after lunch we were in a position to win again. When we had 150 left and Smith and Head were still in, hmm. we were still in a position to win then. Yeah,
0: then we- the, the, yeah, the the thing I'd, the point I'd make and it's you, it's, you know, both groups of fans have been throwing at the oppo- opposing groups of fans the claim that you're just a bunch of whingers and if you if you're deeply embedded with the England cause, it sounds like that, but. The selection that the change of ball from that ball on um, day yes. four, that's true, to that thing on day five. And on day four, it was and it's England's choice to prepare absolute batting roads because that suits basketball. But if you do that and then you're getting carted, that's the risk you take. And they were getting carted, and then a ball hits Usman in the back of the head. The English convince the umpires to change the ball. Yeah, okay, I'm still with you there. And they take this thing that is dull, lifeless, soft, moribund and pull a ball out and you can look at the photos and the images of it that is shiny, that you can still read all of the embossed print on one side with a pronounced seam and say, oh, here you go, have a crack at this in fading light with a bit of moisture overhead and for just two overs then it darts around all over the place. And they come in yesterday or they come in overnight and we lose three for twenty. It was it was it it beggars belief that you can in, in in the this is and this is why it's so hard to win a series in England and England England would rightly feel that the elements interceded in the fourth test in a way that massively helped Australia, but the elements came to the party so hard. For England in this one because you come in on day five and suddenly it's overcast and for the 1st it's just gonna start darting around and the umps have said, While you're there, why don't you have a ball, one side of which is pretty much brand new and rock hard and the other one's a bit scuffed? Best of luck, chaps. And guys who the day before couldn't move at a millimeter were like, we were – it's a miracle we weren't five down at the end of that first session because yeah. Head and Smith couldn't hit how big the balls were swinging.
1: I agree with that. Like, I certainly – and, look, I think England had the best of the conditions generally across the series. Yeah. Like, you know um, – There was a moment in the second test where Cummins and Boland were unplayable yeah. for
0: about yeah. 20 minutes, got two wickets, and then it rained.
1: Yeah, that was it. And, and, the, and the number And of times- enough, like, even with the change of ball on the fourth day here – the fact that Warner and Kawaja were already in, yeah. like, would have been better for them to be dealing. Like, if we if yeah. they'd been able to keep playing on day four when they were in and going, rather than having to start again the next morning, you know, from scratch again, you know, it might have been a different thing. Yeah, the conditions sort of even out, but it is funny in cricket, isn't it? How like it's it is a game of margins in regard to the fact that it's like fine to want to continually change the ball if the ball isn't doing what you want it to do but like put a bit of sandpaper in your pocket and <laughs> that's it that's the end of like it's you know so you can spit on it i love it it's it's always got a real set of rules of what you can and can't do it's yeah. very clear about its Kinks the ball in cricket, isn't it? You You can can, exchange it, but you can't sandpaper it. You you can can spit on it. You can put your sweat on it, but you can't spit on it. You can rub your hand on your back very close
0: to where it looks like you've just applied some rub If you're listening, Jimmy Anderson.
1: And
0: and, and, yeah, and and so that was, and the the, like, just the clear impact that had on the game was 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 unfortunate because I think our guys go very close to getting that, if. If, uh, if, if if you're playing with that old rock, I think no, we get there I mean, reasonably look, yeah, comfortably. If we,
1: if we had had the ball on day four, um, Kawaja and Warner might have got them. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt about that. But it, and that's why I say there was those different times in the game where I think we had it because even despite all that, when Stokes like fucked that catch in the celebration just before lunch, I was like, you know what. All we need is like Smith and Head to bat for sort of like another hour here at the pace that they're batting and we are just absolutely within striking range for the rest of them to knock off the – and then it just – you know, like I still think at that point if we want to be – if this was meant to be the era-defining tour, to to win – without Nathan Lyon in England where we hadn't done it for 20 years, that would have been – I mean, don't get me wrong. Paddy Cummers has gone to the UK to win the World Test Championship and retain the Ashes and he's done both of them. So you shouldn't – like, you know, there is – the two at the start aren't any less worthy than the two at the end. In fact, you can make arguments the two at the start are much more valuable than the two at the end, right? But, but we wanted to win. Like, we wanted to go over and win both and we didn't quite. And – and that's disappointing because in this match, if it had been one of those matches where you're like, we didn't have opportunities to win it, then you'd be like, ah, oh, fair enough, they they finished stronger. But the truth of it is that I think we had as many opportunities, if not more opportunities, in this game to win as oh, they did.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if, if, of all the game, you know, the games in the series that teams should have won and didn't, England can put their hand up big for the fourth test, absolutely. But we had more opportunities. To win the third and the fifth that we blundered, yeah, than they had to win either of the first two that they blundered. You know what I mean? If you look, yeah. if you look at the two twos and who could have nicked one of those off the other, we could, you know, quite possibly should have been in a position more that even if it hadn't rained in the fourth test, we got it up three two or whatever.
1: Well, so- I mean that's kind of been the joy of this series, honestly. Oh yeah. like is other than the fourth test, which was rained out, the rest of them from day to day, you can't really tell who's winning. No. Or who's in front or no. who the best team is or what the best style is or who's that- playing what style of – like it feels like every – it feels like a TV series where every test has been a slightly different director this series or like, you know, it's <laughs> quite like we're doing what now? Yeah. What are we doing now?
0: But, but it, 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 it'll be interesting because <clears> – <throat> and I know also you – it's such a mental game that you put on a brave face to the press because the opposition's going to hear what you're saying and all that sort of stuff. But – the thing that that marks you know, great individuals or teams in sport is even when they have a degree of success, they're not afraid of really analysing and looking back at what happened and holding themselves accountable. And if this Australian team's honest about that series, uh, while it's an absolutely admirable result and while playing the additional world championship test beforehand.
1: Yeah. And so closely in a row. In Although that
0: ridiculously the, compressed time frame. Yeah, I know. But what if, also disadvantages. For
1: example, we'd had a 30 day test where oh, India India only played the first five days and Australia get to take whatever into the first ashes. I mean that's a bit unfair on England. But. Well, maybe
0: no, maybe <laughs> maybe a 30 day test where WWE, you know, tag team style at any time India can just tag out and say uh, Basball get uh, in here. And yeah. so we're playing them combined. But <laughs> that, that with the constricted length yeah. of the series, which was, you know, yeah. pretty full on. Demanding. It's a tremendous effort. But Australia, once they're behind closed doors back here, there's a mm. few, there's a couple of really fundamental questions, not just about yeah. individual moments and all, but there's, I think there's some fundamental questions about.
1: And what are they, do you think? Because I, I, I agree. So, like, I think there's two things you can say. This is a success, but it is a success that also asks a lot of questions about like what happens from mm. here on. So what do you, what do you think those big questions are?
0: Well, obviously yeah, the, the David Warner questions yes. out there publicly, and yes. you know, did he do enough in that last test to justify having kept him in for a while, where it looked like he was struggling, and it has been for a long time
1: now. He, and- like honestly, when you look back at this series, like he did fine, right? Like he did fine, but whether it was a good idea for us to. Have him in there. Whether that was the winning move, he never played a winning innings. He did fine. Like if you look back, like compared to what you would have possibly expected when you came into it, I think he he had a couple of decent knocks. He took the shine off the ball a few times. Like he he didn't. He only looked absolutely hopeless in one test. Like you know, the rest of it, he you know, he never looked like the David Warner of old. But he looked like you know he could get some stuff done. But was it the right decision to win? the Ashes to take him in, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, and I mean, they did and they're going to have to live with that.
0: And when you go into the final test with the luxury of, look, if it all goes horribly yeah. wrong, we've still technically got away with this, we, there's, yeah. it's not up for grabs anymore. The decision not to give Nessa a go is a very interesting one. But the thing that I find more interesting overall and, you know, you look at the sport, the other sport that we love, AFL football, where the coach is all-powerful, and the coach in the middle of a game can just say to a player, that's it, you're off, thanks, you're not playing anymore in that game. And their power is so unquestioned that once or twice a season you'll see a player dispute a coach's decision, and it is front-page news for the next few days of did you see the dummy spit from that person? When the, The coach can say to a defender who's never played up forward before in the middle of a game, get up the other end of the field now and kick us some goals, please. They're just all powerful. I appreciate entirely that the cricketing structure is different and there's more of a feeling that when it's out there in the middle, it's the team and the captain who decides. But not taking anything away from Pat Cummins' lion-hearted performances across the six tests and his winning us the first test with his batting and, and his skill levels often but any objective looking at what's going on, there were several moments across the series where clearly out in the middle we didn't have it together. And that's not in the vagaries of oh, you could try this, you could try that. But when you've got a situation where every commentator and every ex-player who is analysing online is saying, you know, Zach Crawley is born to edge the ball six inches outside of stump, that's where you've got to be bold. Yeah. Or, this is a tail ender, bowl at the fucking stumps, please. I, I find it really interesting that it's not a scenario and not, not every two minutes setting out a new plan. But when in a crucial stage of a five day game, you're forty-five minutes into a plan that isn't Oh, it's not just it's not quite working, you're getting bludgeoned and it's clearly wrong. That that that, that and I'm not slating. Andrew McDonald's an individual, that the command structure there where the coach couldn't even just once or twice a series send out a message, I don't care what anyone says, for the next 20 minutes for these n- number 9, 10, and 11 batsmen, you're bowling at the stumps or whatever because there were clearly times when we were making terrible decisions on the field. But I,
1: I wonder – I mean, it's hard for us to know, but I wonder <clears> – <throat> Who is making those decisions? Because for for a lot of it, it felt like maybe this is McDonald and Cummins' plan, you know, like the, particularly early on when we were still getting the job done, there was a bit of me that they were saying to us, trust the plan, stick with the plan, we've got a plan, we've thought about this, you know, we know what we're doing. And they were getting the results so you kind of got to go, okay, well, it doesn't seem like, you do, but it is actually working, and then it stopped working. And so, I think it's then you're able to go, yeah, this was a, bit, this wasn't a good plan. No, like and it, the, it, it, it like, didn't.
0: Ju- it didn't just stop working mm. in England's second innings in the fifth test, where they no. came out and really flew for a day. No, it got
1: dismantled. Like, I mean, they, they should have known from the minute Scott Boland got dismantled in the first test that this was a different England, like that, they had plans of how they were the, going to attack things. Yeah, that's it when our
0: master plan needed a bit of an asterisk yeah. against it or a couple of sub-clauses. But from the third test onwards, there, it, it, it's totally up to the team and, and the hierarchy to decide. But I think if you're really evaluating things, there's, a, there's several moments there when you can ask about your command and decision-making structure, not should we have done something differently but should our structure have been such that people who are not in the emotional cut and thrust of the moment quite as much, who are sitting in the sheds and seeing the replays and probably even hearing the input of dozens of other right. people around them if they want, go, yeah, Ricky Ponting and 16 other people at the moment probably are onto something here.
1: It, it really felt like to me that they their plan to combat Bazzball was to be, like, I think Bazzball... One in that baseball changed us more than we changed baseball, right like we went into our shell a little we decided whereas you actually what you want is you don't need to like set fields like Ben Stokes sets fields all the time or just like you know make do- declarations out of nowhere or whatever you don't have to be the joker but you do need a little a bit of that about you you know like you take the best bits of that, the adventurous nature of that the idea to experiment to break something up. But also I think there is the same, and this is why I think the Nessa thing it just annoys me the most, is Cummins is a good bowler, and absolutely Hazelwood is a good bowler, and Boland is a good bowler, but what we realized is when we started to play all these guys together, and it's why I think Stark did better than people thought inspect expected, is we're a bit the same. And if we can't tie them down, like I think I heard a stat that we only bowled 33 maidens for the entire series, which that's just not the Australian – our way of like, you know, bowling gets wickets by like bowling maiden after maiden after maiden until they get trapped. Even Cummins and Hazelwood, that's really been mostly the secret of their success. You know, they're those bowlers that just do put it in the same spot. And then suddenly England have this – thing which is like, well, if you're going to keep bowling in the same place, we know what to do about that. We're going to bash you all over the place. And and,
0: and aided by you – know, because that, that, that approach works in Australia for us because there's <laughs> mm. almost always a little bit of something in some of the pitches, whether it's a bit of bounce or variation right. or pace or whatever. If England are just going to prepare autobahns
1: – Well, that's but- it. We knew what they were going to prepare. Yeah. I just don't think you can – it's not a – and this is where – because I think Cummins is a good captain. Like, oh, I've enjoyed his captaincy. Mm. I think he's, yeah, he's got a good record and I like a lot of what he does. But he needed a rest. Like, if he wasn't captain, he wouldn't have played one of those tests. Mm. We would have rested him mm. because that's, that's- – it just would have been better for him. Mm. And that's when it becomes a problem because then you're like, well – how do we get that variety into our bowling lineup that we need to have?
0: And if you and if you're willing to say that physically, mm. a, a player is in a state where they could ideally do with a rest, yeah, then probably in terms of adding on top of that, the decisions of captaincy, they need a little bit more support around them. Where you know, it was it was the fourth test in particular, and and it was the third and fourth tests in particular where decisions were made where we really could have gone a lot closer to wrapping that whole thing up.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think that's the thing that frustrates me the most about this series is that we they'll look back and regret that they didn't get it done, honestly. And particularly because, you know, there is going to be some serious conversations around the Australian team. Like how much longer, you know, is this, you know, our team? What substantial changes are there going to be? There's going to be a new opener. You know, do we... Because of what we've seen with you know the changing shape of cricket, I know India like they've publicly stated they're going to lean into being more attacking in Test match cricket. They think it's the future. If England, like some of these English players, they're just they're going to get better because they're just going to go around the world beating up on opposition that aren't anywhere near as good as the Australians. I mean, they'll they'll be a bit of a force in cricket for a while, I'd imagine. They've got some obviously some players retiring as well, but you can see that next generation coming up through that English team, they're going to keep playing like this for a while. And so, like, does Travis head open? Like, is do we go back to the Australian summer and, like, you know, you say heads your opener and you look at, you know, your middle order as a player? I don't know if Harris or Renshaw are the answer, Is I guess, and that's what worries me. I'm not sure that, you know, Pekofsky was clearly the answer, but he, you know, with his concussions and his health, I don't think... That, that's going to be what happens. So- and the
0: challenge for Australia within that will also be that, and, and this is something I respect so much about our cricket, but it then convexly becomes a problem in that scenario, is that we, we won't just prepare the placid pitches that really assist it. I mean, England will get better bullying some teams who are clearly out of their league around the world in the next couple of years, but bring that English team now in the fine fettle that it's in to Australia, Oh, and we, no. I we, mean, we yeah, smashed
1: we'd them. We'd well, still I mean, beat them in Australia. The, stat,
0: no- the, stat, the stat I yeah. read, which is amazing, was that Cam Green has played three tests in England. Mm. He's won two Ashes tests away from home. Mm. Stuart Broad's won one Ashes test away from home in his career.
1: Yeah, and this Stuart is- Stuart
0: Broad, like this is the 600 only, test wickets.
1: This is the only compelling thing about the idea that the urn is retained to yeah. me because I, in some ways I think now with, like, the World Test Championship, it- Takes the place of these, like, you know, I'm not saying of the ashes or, but you know, the trophy or the urn, the retention. I think we should start judging series really based on the idea that it's a series. And like at the end of it, like, you know, you can be tied at the end of the series and it's a tied series. But The idea of an urn or like a shield or whatever takes into account the idea that conditions are different in in India than they are in Australia. Why India is such an admired cricket team for me isn't because when we go to India, they prepare raging turners and rollers. It's the fact that they come to Australia and beat us that Mm. makes India a good team. Mm. And you're right. Like, I mean, the reason we retain the Ashes and that has some value is because when England came to Australia, we beat them 4-0 in our conditions. So... There's, yes, there's an idea to that that, you know, we tied this and we did our job and now they've got to come to Australia and see if they can actually, you know, beat us, you know, where we live as well. But- and,
0: cause, and, and the magnitude <laughs> of our trying to win there or even tie a series there is equivalent to the magnitude of, for England trying to do it in Australia. And in the last decade have not looked like the shadow of a team. They could do. We're here with two all going. Oh, that could have been mm-hmm. three one. England weren't looking yeah. at the last four nil. The fifth one of which they they scraped home nine wickets down in the last innings. That was in a match that was effective. They weren't looking at that going. Oh, that was so close to three one to us or or two all or anything no, like.
1: I, the, I think the thing for the Australians is more that it could have been three one so easily mm. and then it is a legacy-defining couple of months. World Test Championship, 3-1, you know, win the Ashes for the first time in 20 odd years. Like, that's because it is such a big thing. This team is a legacy team at that point, right? But they didn't – but I I don't think they played like a legacy team. They played like a very good team that occasionally didn't look that good. And, you know, Steve Smith, like – You know, yes, today, last night was a day for Steve Smith to be, you know, the old Steve Smith. And I think the truth of it is that Steve Smith is never going to – he's still had a good – you know, he's made a couple of hundreds. He's had an okay time. He just isn't the the old Steve Smith and maybe he's never going to be that again.
0: And the other thing you can say in favour of this Australian team is that it's also – I think it's an accepted maxim that really great teams also – just find ways to win when they're not playing at their best and again in AFL footy you've seen at the team that are you know punch drunken out on their feet and a little bit too old and then just still scrape and get those last couple of goals when needed to just playing on sort of muscle memory and it's a tribute to this Australian team that they you know did what they managed to do in the first test when there were periods of time when we were in real trouble but Still comparatively fresh. Paddy Cummins and Nathan Lyon said, Well, this is what we've got to do. Let's go and do it. There's only some teams that could have brought that about in that situation. And oh, Digo, yeah. the
1: second. And, and look, and we played, they certainly, you know, had outs from their team as well. And, you know, they were a much better team when Wokes and Wood were playing, like, you know, obviously. But, I mean, we think like, Todd Murphy, by the way, nothing against Todd Murphy. He, like, he's a real standout from his performance in his fifth test, both with the ball and the bat. Showed a lot for a 22-year-old kid. Definitely the future of Australian spin and that role, if Nathan Lyon can't be there, is in very great hands. But Nathan Lyon is our most important player, I would argue, uh, particularly in regard to all these issues we have about the sameness of our bowling. It, like, you know, we obviously didn't even play a spirit in that fourth test. But, like, you can't use Murphy in the same way as you use Lyon. Like, Lyon gives us that our attacks never looked so boring because Lions always there to be able to bowl 30 overs if he needs to and actually, you know, tie up an end or keep things interesting or get a wicket or do his job. Like, so, you know, the fact that we managed to do it without him is, like, is a big tick. So, spin, I think we're good. Nathan Lyon will come back at some stage. Yeah, he's valuable. Murphy's there for the next thing. Then it comes to our bowlers. I mean, obviously, Cummins is going to keep playing. Like – do we need to look at someone who isn't Hazelwood or like Boland? Is it time for us to like be starting to see what? Yeah, you know, can Nessa play more regularly? Like, is Morris an option? Like, I'm just talking about having that bowler there that is variety. Yeah, you know,
0: no, I, I I think absolutely, and it's it's it, it, it's it's very it's challenging when you're talking about great players who've made a great contribution across. A long period of time for the team, but that old aphorism about the Australian team—that it's harder to get out of it than to get into it—in sometimes is the case. And you've, you know, it's the same with Usman is still batting superbly, but he's at an age where history suggests when eventually it comes to an end, it can come to an end pretty quickly. You don't want a scenario where at the end of say the upcoming summer, Aussie thinks, yeah, that might that might do me as well. And he's got, you know, just been sort of overlooked in the David Warner pre-booked farewell campaign. Um, and and then you're suddenly shuffling out both your openers and a couple of your quicks at the same time. It's well, time and, that's, a- and
1: and and the, the and the truth of it is that just based on performance like in the last few years. I mean, Osman Khawaj has, again, again, scored the most runs in this series and he's one of the top-rated bats. Since he's come back and opened, he's the number one rated opener in the world. So we, ha- we talk all about, like, how will we fill this water hole? But the water hole actually has – there hasn't been a lot of water coming from that well for a fair while. So actually filling that isn't anywhere near as difficult as – We're ignoring the elephant in the room, which is what you – like, I mean, obviously, we'd love to – but Usman's exactly the same age as David Warner. So they played junior cricket together, you know, opened the batting together when they were eight, you know. Like, it's an incredible story. But the idea that we're like, how will we replace Warner? We have no options when we're like, yeah. And also, by the way, (laughs) if this guy's getting too old, there is a chance that the guy who's the exact same age as him –
0: And actually getting the runs.
1: Yeah. That's going to be a much bigger (laughs) – Hold for us the feel if we're... (laughs) You know, we assume if, that he's going to keep if, doing it. But
0: if a new guy came in who wasn't quite up to scratch and only averaged, say, twenty five in yeah. David Warner's position, yeah. that's pretty much business Close as enough. usual for Australia. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: <laughs> if he comes pretty. in replacing Uzzy who averages yeah. about one hundred and seven at the moment, that's you right. might feel yeah. that a little bit more.
1: We're really missing that one hundred and seven extra runs every innings that we. But,
0: but 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 then you know where did we find Usman? We didn't we didn't right. find someone who'd been opening forever. We found a guy who batted more at threes and fours and things like that and and the opening came out of him. I think you're absolutely right that it's worth it. I don't see Labashane as a test opener, um, but yeah, is it a Travis Head? Is it someone else? Is it, is it a Cam Green? Is it, you know, And the challenge with cricket at this level is you don't get as much time as you'd like to 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 run these experiments a few times. Again, in like a 23-game AFL regular season, you can plonk someone out of position for a couple of games and see if it works and tweak it a bit. You don't get three or four tests to play with these sort of things and see if they work before you've you've blown a whole series on a failed experiment.
1: I think part of our problem at the top of the order, and, of course, we'll beat up on some teams in Australia over the summer and we'll ignore this, but maybe that's a good time for us to experiment. Part of the problem is the balance, I honestly believe, of our batting order. It just feels really out of whack to me in that Usman, like Uzi... I think Uzi's playing the role that Uzi's meant to play, which is you want an opener who's going to bat for as long as he possibly can. That's one of the opener's jobs. And he is doing that job particularly well. But then the reason you you pair him with like a David Warner type is because the other one's meant to be like, you know, attacking, getting you off to a start, putting scoreboard pressure on the bowlers, right? One's putting, I'm never going to get out, and the other one's getting some runs going. That's like a good dynamic for an opening partnership. It works for me. Because Warner hasn't Warner's been struggling, like, we haven't been able to get that same dynamic, right? Like, and so we've often – and then Marnus is a slow starter. Steve Smith is a slow starter. Both of them, like, tend to be – I mean, I know he isn't always, but they both have become real soak them up. So, like, our top three, four, even if they're making runs, they're making runs so slowly and, like, you know, giving the like the opposition so much opportunity to get them out. But and But then – like a fucking Pixies song, we go from slow, 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 slow to Travis Head and Mitch Marsh and hmm. Cameron Green who doesn't know what he's, whether he's meant to be hitting them hard or yeah. like blocking them again. There's no sense in it and no balance to it and that's why I think if you are going to play Marsh or Green, like, you know, but maybe even Marsh and Green sometimes, Head to Open to me, you've still got a Marsh coming in in the middle who you can give the license to do what Head had been doing, but you need someone at the top of the order who's going to put that. Like, yeah, it's not going to work every time, but when it does work, you know, we're going to make 150 in the first session, and Travis mm. head's going to make 100, and yeah, Usman will be 30 not out at the other end, but that's okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's good. That's what we want.
0: Because yeah, too often you'll find us two for 70, mm. well after lunch, right? And and that can that's potentially a platform if someone then fires, but you're only a wicket away from the other team having a real upper hand on you.
1: Yeah. Steve Smith, do you think he'll play on? Do you think he'll retire? Like, Because, I mean, because there is a chance that, there, like, you know, over the next year, mm. Warner goes, Kawaja goes, Steve Smith maybe goes. Like, yep. One it's or always two some, of those
0: fast yep. bowlers go. You could have four or five guys out of this squad. They certainly won't go back to England and no. might not even defend the Ashes next time around in Australia.
1: And if you're not going back to England – And yeah, this has been sort of a. There is if you're not going to be there for the next World Test Championship, if you're not going to be there for the next Ashes, I think that's what we've got to start thinking about now because we can't. I I mean, I can't see us even in Australia going into our next Ashes with a a bowling lineup like we had in this in this one. Like, there's got to be somewhere a couple of new faces in there if we're going to, you know, because you could see that with England. Like, if Broad, like Anderson's going on, but Broad. Like I think Broad actually of all of them, he was the one where you were like, "Oh no, you could probably keep going on." It's probably Anderson that probably needs to, <laughs> to stop at some stage. But, but uh, anyway, it's been uh, it's been a great couple of months. Thank you to everybody who has uh, listened to the show. Uh, Let me give been, you
0: one last bit of test trivia.
1: Yes, let's as talk. we go,
0: um, who has the highest batting average in the history of test cricket?
1: The highest batting average, oh, like is this ad, like just not based on games played? So don't mm. you don't have to because the obvious answer is Sir Donald Bradman, ninety nine point nine four, but that's probably based on you had to make play a certain amount of games or mm-hmm. make a certain amount of runs, which mm-hmm. means that the answer to this question is probably someone who played like one test and made a huge amount of runs and then never played again or something. Australia, like uh, Martin Love. Mm-mm.
0: I don't, I don't. I think love. I think love was not out in the only test he played. Yeah. Does
1: that mean 50, he doesn't 100. have an average?
0: <laughs> Indeed. Can't divide by zero. We got. Oh, we should have got onto that a bit earlier.
1: <laughs> test batting average of 144. Uh, he played one test, made 144. Stuart Law, Curtis Patterson. Oh, of course. Yes. Now 30 Canberra. years old, captain of he New make him South in Wales. Canberra is that where he like? Yeah. You made yep. hundred. I remember watching that beautiful batsman. Yeah, like one of those ones that like looked looked a bit like Matthew Hayden used to bat. Like you know, just a beautiful, elegant batsman. What he was going to be, everything. Hmm. What happened to Curtis Patterson? How's he been going for New South Wales? Is he
0: yeah, there and thereabouts? Yeah, but, okay. Yeah, a spot there for him if he wants it.
1: I mean, it'd be great for someone to come along who really wants it. Like mm. you know, he, some,
0: Curtis Patterson's thirty yeah. now. We need a. Mm. I mean, no, we need a. a, 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 a we need
1: a We need a young batsman. Where's our mm. Harry Brook? Where's mm. our next sort of? Where's that person? Because it doesn't really feel like there is that sort of young, exciting next level batsman who's. No, like the Australian cricket, cricket term at, the at the moment is this.
0: Yeah, it's this interesting balance of. Like the best team in the world mm-hmm. in terms of winning mm-hmm. the World Test Championship, and clearly competitive against any team in any conditions, and also it's almost looking a little bit rickety and old.
1: Yeah, yeah, because you just can't see the obvious replacements.
0: No, ah, <laughs> the last dance. Oh, well, that's
1: not a that's not a great note to <laughs> finish the but podcast hey, those, on.
0: Those Matildas. Oh, man,
1: that was so good last night, though, because I watched that game going, because I know. So, I mean, you were famously at the. an advocate for, you know, women's football in Australia on Triple J. you used to talk, yep. like, I think you at the time were probably the most common, <laughs> the most prominent <laughs> commentator on women's soccer in the country in the media, I would have thought back then. Um, but uh, I, I watched that game last night and I was like, you know, I'm going to watch the Matildas and I'll watch the Ashes at the same time first session and hopefully we'll get a few runs and the Matildas will win. But if I have to pick... Between the two, I'd, I'd rather, I guess, probably see Australia win the Ashes than see the Matildas win. And then I was like, oh, they're probably not going to play Sam Kerr. We're probably going to lose. Like, the yep. Canadians won the Olympic medal. And then by the Stacked end… Stacked against like, them. By the end of, like, that game, I was just like, nah, this was the right result. Oh, yeah. Like, this is better for Australia. Like, I mean, the fact that we won 4-0 and Sam Kerr did not have to play, which was… awesome. Could, and to- like, couldn't have been… Speaking of coaches oh. staring down the media, I mean Ooh. that fella Gustafson, Gustafson is that his name? Yes, <laughs> Gustafson. Oh, he yeah. got a fair bit of feedback during the week about the way they've been handling the yep. Sam Kerr injury, and I get that because as someone who's not invested in the game, in the way that others are, you know, Sam Kerr is, you know like women's soccer in Australia and like I was getting to the point where I was like, fuck it, you play Miranda Kerr. I don't care. Just get a buddy Kerr out there on this body field so that it- – and I was like if they get like eliminated from the mm-hmm. Home World Cup and Sam Kerr did not take the field once, yeah. I was literally like going to lobby for Sam Kerr to get a passport to a country that did make the finals. yeah, I yeah. was like we just need to see her play. Yeah, she's got a bit of she's <laughs> she's got a bit of a Nigerian vibe about to get what, her in yeah, there. Whatever. Irish, she can do yeah. the accent, I don't care.
0: But it, 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 it and, but and it turns out before the game she gave the girls a speech because she was on yeah. the on the subs list to play yeah. last night if needed, but as you know with a calf mm. it's really risky and she said to the girls before the game last night why don't you just go and win it for me, so I don't have to play and I get another six days off? I know you can do it. Go and do it,
1: and they just delivered in spate. I mean, they really did, didn't they? They had like, I mean, they kicked four goals, but they had a couple of others that were yeah. very line ball that weren't goals, uh, and uh, yeah, it was um it was really an, an incredible uh, at. Uh, Melbourne's rectangular stadium, mm. I noticed, was mm. where that was being played. And just, to, just never just heard to, of as a person who follows sport in Melbourne, I wasn't aware of Melbourne's rectangular stadium. Well, can
0: I just say to the PR and marketing people at that <laughs> company, Rectangular, for their sponsorship yeah. <laughs> of the stadium, yeah.
1: just thank you. <laughs> thank you to Rectangular. There's only one.
0: <laughs> there's only one parallelogram I'll work with. Yeah. I won't. I won't buy jack off rhombus or trapezium or anything. But Rectangular, nah. they're my
1: people. I mean, I, I understand how sports like sponsorship and FIFA deals and all that sort of stuff works, but the, it's just so ridiculous hearing them call that at uh, Melbourne's Rectangular I was, at,
0: at, at one of the At one of the other games, I was speaking to someone, I can't identify them, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but works in some sort of government or tourism or sporting or stand administrator or some sort of authority who had to deal with, FIFA around some of this stuff, and it's just FIFA's so powerful, and and just gets things on their terms so automatically that some of the discussions these people are having to have with FIFA about you know look I understand entirely, but just the whole the whole <laughs> like the, making us cover the statues out the yeah. front of the grounds yeah, yeah, yeah. just with with dark mm. sheets yeah that's not. Because you're worried it might be political, so yeah. no. Look, his name's Shane Warren. Yeah. Look, this is no. a long story, but he's no. He's I know I know, I know he's the people's champion, yeah. but he's not aligned with any radical left wing agenda or. And look, we can show you footage. Yeah. Politics was the last thing on his mind. Don't worry. Oh,
1: yeah, it is ridiculous. It's um, Paul Ruse. Spent some- he's,
0: he's not holding a <laughs> severed head. That's that's the AFL trophy that he
1: oh. Yeah. <laughs> I uh if people want to see me live uh, this weekend at the Sydney oh, Comedy Store, yay. I am doing my improvised show. What are you talking about, Will? I am doing a series of I think three or four of those shows over the next few weeks. So if people so want to come so improvised, you're not even sure how many you're doing.
0: I that's am improvised. not sure.
1: Haven't checked that. But Saturday afternoon is the first one uh, at uh, the Sydney Comedy Store at Moore Park, the Entertainment Quarter, Uh and of course, Gruen's back on the TV. You can find that on ABC. I've you thinking everyone who's listened to this podcast over the last couple of months? Honestly, it was just the last minute a spare of the moment idea but the um audience for it has been very strong and and very loyal and if you've liked it uh you know you know, leave a comment or, you know, share it with your friends if you think they would like to, you know, listen back and hear all our ridiculous predictions. But if ever there was a series for ridiculous predictions, everyone was made look an idiot by pretty much everything that everyone said at every point in this series. Uh, Adam Spencer always has a book for sale or some things that can be plugged. So let's plug whatever it is that we can plug for you, Adam Spencer.
0: How uh, How about if you're in Sydney on August the 27th? Oh, yeah.
1: Come along to the MO Theatre and watch Celebrity
0: Theatre Sports, all made up on the spot. You think what you're talking about, Will, is improvised. Why do
1: you see us go around? So I will be uh, performing at Celebrity Theatre Sports for the first – making my theatre sports comeback after 20-plus years Ah. since I last played – but uh, so I'm sure the the whole town is abuzz with the fact oh, yeah. that after my last yep. triumphant performance
0: yep.
1: <laughs> where I decided this is it for me, yep. 20 years later, I'm back, baby.
0: No, FIFA are staying around. They're yeah. super keen.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Adam Spencer.
0: Pleasure as always, mate. Listener.